Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I mean, come on, there's a bit of a ridiculous irony that all of those, one for a better word, posh dicks are getting on private jets to Scotland, some of whom have just created tax exemptions for domestic air travel, with at least, like, 15 kids between them, and they've all gathered to talk about climate change because they want me to recognise that maybe having a bacon sandwich on the weekend might be the downfall of society. Are you for real? Hello, hello, hello. Yes. We haven't had one of these in a while, have we? Yes, little round of applause. Why? Largely for just fucking surviving. (laughs) Nothing else. I mean, no form of entertainment value. Just continuing to breathe on this planet is a marvel. As ever, I'm Scotty. This is After the Tone. And together with my mates, Debbie, Tim, Maya and Kat, we allow you, yes, allow you, you fucking remember that, we allow you, the general public, to start conversations with me. Um, and each other. And the pub, the lounge, the room. I mean, everything and nothing. You can cover any subject here, quite evidently. Uh, it's a bit like late night radio for people who like to be in bed at 10 o'clock. It's full of queers, mentals and commoners. So if none of that tickles your fancy, let us know where you live and one of us will be round to piss through your letterbox. <laughs> ah. Oh, the dark days are here, hun, are aren't they? Oh, God. It's the season for waking up dark, going to bed dark, dark by five o'clock. And so, you know, the the dark thoughts follow suit, don't they? No, thank you. Not for me. Um, Now, bring this up, because it's usually about this time of the year that I plummet with the SAD. And um, we sort of lay in bed very, well, SAD. (laughs) But worry not i'm double dosing on the the vitamin d she's having the d babes steady and i'm doing those moving things that make me have chemicals in my body which i think are supposedly far more productive than the other chemicals i put in my body in the early noughties so we're okay for now but i'm cautious anybody else how are you doing hon honestly it's that thing about when they turn the clocks back it really fucks you up doesn't it Right, before we get to it, I do have to let you know we have got a talent show in a few weeks. And are any of you fucking calling up with your talents? Are any of you fuck? Now, I just have to remind you, it is audio, okay? So you could blag a talent. Like, no one's gonna know. 
because A, you can make it up as you go along, and B, we have a very loose form of what we think the word talent means over here. So WhatsApp us, that's easier for you to say. So WhatsApp us a voice note to plus four four seven double eight two hundred three forty zero. That number and that reminder will be coming a little bit later in the show. Right, gorgeous. I reckon we should get on with it because um well, otherwise it would just be a fucking monologue for me. And I tell you what, people usually pay for that fucking privilege. Hiya, Scotty, Babs, you the rest of the team. Just a quick one from Pauline. I've got a song stuck in my head. I don't know what the bugger it is. Tried Googling the lyrics. Oh, it's like this. It goes like this. Walk with me, talk with me, love me, but treat me like a woman. I know, I know, it's scary. I know, I know, I know, the talent. Sorry, well... First off, what the fuck are you on about? Well, it sounded like you were singing a song by Sam Fox in the style of Tina Turner. But more to the point here, Pauline, where the fuck have you been? Where the fuck have you been? We haven't heard head and tail for you for about ten episodes, you fucking lazy bitch. All right, Scotty, producer Deb, Captain Meyer, it's Big Fat Dyke here. Um, I'm calling again from Russia, but I'm calling because that's the last time I'm going to be able to say that. I'm sat in an empty apartment block, about to move back to the UK after, well, 10 years here, 20 years outside the UK. I'm not going to lie, I'm absolutely shitting myself. I know it's time to come back. I think I've been away for too long and... I really just want to be near my friends and family. But at the same time, I don't know. I just keep looking at all the news that's come out of fucking England over the last four, five, well, ten years. And I just think, what am I going to come back to? Brexit? Fuck. I don't know. I'm also where we're moving. My wife got a job. It is literally, from what I can tell, in the middle, in the middle of Brexit Central. Um, so, yeah. I guess the reason I'm calling is, how do you, if you move, well, one, what are some nice things about England? What are some things that I can look forward to? I definitely can't wait to get out in the countryside, um, stuff like that. But yeah, what do people enjoy doing? And also, if you were moving to a new town, particularly one where there may not be people who share your sort of political beliefs or just your view on life, how do you find them? What would you do? Yeah, and also, I think you asked today to share um, stories of neighbours, so I will share my story of my Soviet fucking crazy neighbour downstairs. So we live in what's called a Brezhnevka. From the outside, they look like your classic, depressing Soviet apartment block. Five stories, maybe five or six entry doors on each floor. There's four flats. And I mean, mine was built in the 70s, and at the time, everybody who lived in this particular apartment block worked in the same factory. And nobody's ever moved, so, like, the guy we rent from, he grew up here, he's a mate of ours, um, and he knows every single person on every single floor. And they're all nice. I mean, I can't really chat that much, but, you know, there's a woman with the eye patch. There's the uh, guy with two dogs that are the size of literally Shetland fucking ponies. God knows how he lives in there. Anyway, everyone's lovely, apart from the fucking crazy woman and her daughter who live below us. And I don't know what she thinks she can hear, but, like, literally, it'll be... 11pm and I will drop a paperclip. I'm fucking serious, a paperclip. And within a millisecond, she, I don't know what she's got, a broom? She's like, boom, 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 on the floor. 
she must literally be sat down there in her chair with that fucking broom in her hand waiting to go for it. She's written to the police to complain. She said that I was an illegal immigrant <laughs> and that we like, I don't know, loads of shit that we stored stuff. We were abusive to her. I fucking avoid her as much as I can. She once hugged me in the corridor. I mean, she's off her fucking head. So when we leave tomorrow, I want to leave a sign on their door that says bye bye bitches or something like that. My wife says I should just leave it. But anyway, help me. What should I do? If you were coming back to the UK after a long time, what would be something you would be looking forward to? Apart from obviously a fish and chip supper. I won't reveal mine. And a curry. Okay, love you all. Bye. Big fat dyke! Yeah! Now, first off, I just want to say, why didn't you tell us when you first called that you were calling from Russia? Because you know how excited that would make me. People from far away calling in and listening in. Now, I just want to address the elephant in the room here. And that is the fact that you have lived in Russia for 10 years and you're worried about the political climate coming back to the UK. (laughs) Now, I know here in the European West, we (laughs) we are probably fed a series of news about Russia that might not always 100% be accurate. But um, I'm pretty sure the politics, <laughs> the politics of Putin, who is, you know, very proud of what he thinks, as um, you and your wife <laughs> living in Russia, you can see what I'm getting to here, hun. Okay, so I just want to let you know, yeah, it's a bit of a shitstorm over here, hun. <laughs> but there's part of me that wants to go, but it's not Russia. <laughs> Oh my god, I love this. I love this so much. So, oh, I totally hear where you where you're at about moving to a new place because, of course, I moved to Manchester. You know, and being well, listen to sound me. If you don't know what this sounds like, people who are listening to this in other places, basically, I definitely sound like somebody from London. I, this is what we sound like. Okay, so when I moved up here, where they all talk like that, well, they don't because they're not from Yorkshire, but (laughs) it's a very noticeable change. It was the first time I realised I had an accent. So I think your accent gets you into the room uh, because you've definitely got a southern accent. Sorry to let you know, you just do. So wherever you move in, you'll have that as your capital. Fish and chips, excellent. That's a great thing to think about. But look, we are very lucky that we do have the socialist north. Um, so Manchester's a wonderful place. Come and drop by. You could also go further north as well. You could hang out in Glasgow. Wonderful place to go. And so, you know, there are some really beautiful queer enclaves, uh, people who have sought defiance against the government that's happening here, which I'm sure, actually, there is some of that culture in Russia. And I'd be really keen to hear from you about your life in Russia. Um, anyway... Soviet neighbours and all, actually. I hope you travel safe and um, let us know how your new journey goes, but also when you're ready to divulge the goss on Russia. I'd love to know, because I wonder if it's very different to how we perceive it. But maybe you don't know how we perceive it here, because you've been out of the English news channels, maybe. Anyway, this is very exciting, isn't it? Big fact, I'm glad you called Safe Journey Home. Hi Scotty, it's the here, a long time nowhere. Girl, I've just finished your episode and I'm in the middle of eating 
But I thought I might as well ring as well because I was just finished it. And I'm not really going to tell you what I'm eating because just like a tease. I'm going to try and cut and not chew too loudly. But girl, like, first of all, what the fuck are you doing paying for a bin? What are you doing paying for a bin? You put rubbish in. Put rubbish in it, aren't you? You're putting rubbish in the bin. Why don't you get it from the bin and put rubbish in the bin? Put a bag in whatever receptacle, what looks like a bin. And there's a ton of rounds in the street, you just need to look for them. And when you were saying that thing, it made me think about that lovely person that was ringing. And um, when was that mental health first aid? I think what the pub podcast is that, isn't it? So what you're up to, isn't it? That's what the pub feels like quite recently. It's like mental health first aid. Anyway, I just saw I'll check in. JRF girl giving us a history lesson. History lessons in the JRF. Oh, always. But also, did you know that they were collecting the bundles of wood for the fires that the bonfires were? And also the Italian version. Oops, it's just fallen off my fork. I'm going to tell you what I'm eating now, aren't I? So... I've got, I've made my own kimchi. Yeah, anyway, the Italian history of faggot or faggot of woods or that bonder of sticks is um, finocchio, I think, isn't it? Oh, I'm drunk now saying it. Anyway, it's um, fennel in Italian. And I reckon the origin of that in Italy was when they were burning all your bodies and doing all the fucking sinners. You know what I mean? They used to burn blobs of um, fennel. Yeah, anyway, do you know what I mean? Good luck with it all out there. Do you know what I mean? There's reasons to be cheerful. One, two, three. And yeah, I suppose you're doing a good job, love. Do you know what I love? You're moaning, don't you? We all love a fucking good moan. But um, I'm pleased you're all alive, and you know what I mean? At the end of the day, anyone who is surviving this fucking mental health hit fucking nightmare that we're existing in right now is my hero. So stay strong, stay true, and most importantly, stay kimchi, homemade you, pizza. <laughs> she's back in the room welcome back do you know what the first half of that message i was like she better fucking tell me what she's eating she how dare you how dare and then she knew she was teasing me as well what a bitch um kim homemade kimchi in which world honestly the effort because it's got like it's got it's got this that and the other in it honestly i've watched the hairy bikers make it in um South Korea with a nana and I was like, do you know what? It's too involved. As lovely as it is, as a, a tradition as it is, even South Koreans do it once a year. And do you know what they say? Oh, because it needs to ferment. No, it's not. It's because it can't be fucked because it's too much. It's a rigmarole. It's lovely, but it's a rigmarole. And so I just want to let people know that you can buy it in the shop. There you go. Why am I paying for a bin? Well, yeah, you're right. I can find a receptacle upon the streets of Manchesterford, but... Are those ones that have got white marble effects? <laughs> and I think you're right about the fennel Actually, that's fennel ham. I don't think they put fennel ham on the bodies. Actually, I spent ages trying to pronounce this in an Italian deli once. Fennel cionio. As you can tell, my fucking Italian's awful. Um, lovely cross-reference there to the JRF. 
So we'll have to, I mean, I say we're going to have to fact check this. It's a fucking lie. I won't. I'll just pretend and then that's enough. Um, And you know me, babe, love a good fucking moan. I mean, where would this podcast be without a fucking moan? Well, we'd just be one of those other shit podcasts, wouldn't we? (laughs) Okay, Scotty. So it's a spooky scouser here. Hello. Uh, mental health first aid is basically being trained to approach someone who is in mental distress, whether they've just told you that or if they look like they need a bit of help. Like a non-judgmental human being. <laughs> That's the general, you know, in a nutshell. Um, You get trained on, like, you know, some of the more common um, mental health issues like depression, anxiety, personality disorders, schizophrenia, no I've said personality disorders so I'm the person people can come to with their issues basically and I'll try and direct them to the right help like you know if it seems serious do you want to go to your GP and we can have a chat about that or we can have a chat about something else whatever the person wants to have a chat about basically but it's just teaching you how to be non-judgmental and um, listening skills. And um, what to do if there's, like, a crisis. So that's, like, you know, if someone's not in a safe position, like, obviously you don't leave them on their own, number one. Number two, you basically tell them, like, oh, how can we help you? Um, Because they might have, like, a crisis card or something like that. Um, and if none of that works, call, like, an ambulance or whatever. Or the police, but, you know, I don't want to call the police. That tends to, like, escalate the situation more often than not. But, yeah, that's what it is. Um, thank you again. Um, yeah, everything's good. Nothing to report. Hey, Spooky Scouser. Oh, I feel a burp come in. Wait. There you go, got it out. Now, thank you so much for picking that thread up from last week and letting us know what a mental health first aid is. That was purely my ignorance, but, you know, there would be other people listening going, what's that? And yes, we could get on the Googles or the Bings. I mean, as if anyone's searching things via Bing, don't be daft. So I appreciate that. I guess there is... Now, what I'm about to say is not a scrutiny of you as a mental health first aider. It's a scrutiny of the systems at play um, that created a culture in which mental health support and provision in this country is bullshit. Because <laughs> I really love this idea of somebody being able to intervene and to be able to... A skilled person who's been taught, okay, this, that and the other, this is going to what's help. But then I was just thinking at the systems at play, that's what's available to you, what tools are available to you as a mental health first aider. So when we talk about, oh, um, would you like to see a GP? <laughs> and what? Wait six weeks for an appointment. <laughs> um, would you like to have some therapy on the NHS? Oh, what? And de-traumatise myself in six CBT group sessions. <laughs> you know, because everything can be sorted in six sessions. Would you like to see a GP and then prove to them why you need medication? And then once you've proven to them why you need medication, also be like please, can you make sure that I get my repeat prescription on time and not fuck me around? And also, can I make sure that I've got the money available for those meds? Like, as somebody who's navigated these systems a fair bit, I'd like 
totally hear what you're saying about not contacting the police because what the police want to do is because, you know, technically, you know, we have this now very modern cliche that people are like, it's not the police's job, but whose job is it? And um, I think the thing for me that I always come back to is this society and this government have created a climate in which people are in mental health crisis. And therefore, it is down to a governmental body or something within our society to pick up that slack. Now, yes, partially, I think our National Health Service are there to help keep us well, make us better, make us, you know, well in lots of different ways. But when push comes to shove and there is crisis, there has to be somebody else who's accountable. Now, I think police are bullshit. They fucking ruined my life. I have very little respect for the judicial system in this country because of first-hand life-changing experiences with them. And I think a complete overhaul of that system that fails so many of us is long overdue, disclaimer. But in the current climate around what is available to us, like if I was to have a mental health crisis today and that was so severe that there needed to be some form of intervention, then it does come down to those in power. I know this is really, uh, this is clumsy because I don't believe in that power. But I just think it's only part of the problem, right? Because if we want to radically change this place and this position, we have to change the whole culture. You can't keep on giving people citalopram or cetraline and think it's going to be okay. Structural change. Damage has already been done to many of us. That actually, I've spoken about this before, that cure is never going to be an option because we hold too much because of what generations of trauma has done to us. It has to be that radical. Anyway, who knew where that fucking monologue came from? <laughs> Hopefully there's some form of sense in it. Well, actually, if, even if there isn't, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Pick up the blower, let's have a chat. Oh, God, that's rolled me up the wrong way. Anyway, more to come. Apparently, <gasps> note here from producer Tim, we've got the worst call we've ever had coming towards the end of the show. Oh, God. I'll brace myself because some of you, oh, who knows? Uh, lovely message here this week on the internet from Daniel. I love After the Tone because it makes me cry and laugh in equal measure and I feel at home with a crowd of lovely hashtag queer people. Isn't that lovely? Thank you very much, Daniel. If you too would like to put out a little message to the world, we'd love to see it. Um, you know, we rely on this being a sort of word of mouth space because, you know, I ain't got any of those celebrity people coming on and doing an interview, which is the way like a normal podcast would grow. So if you want to share this with a pal, feel free. Or if you just want to declare your love for the podcast, hashtag after the tone POD. Um, and there you'll find a bunch of us talking about it and be connected with us. So that'd be lovely. Also, this week, Debbie and I were working together on a radio thing and we went to see our mate Matty's show afterwards. And when we sat down, a voice behind us came and went, Hi, Fran here. Oh, yeah, we met Fran here in real life. Listen, we love hearing you all on the podcast, but we also love a sort of 
IRL chat, as the children say. And, you know, so if you want to wave to us on the internet, but also if you want to see us in real life, we were thinking maybe we should do a real life after the tone thing. What do you think? Let us know. Hashtag after the tone POD. Or you could also pick up the blower and let us know um, there. Just a little thank you as well whilst we're at it to our mates over on the Patreon who keep this place going. Because honestly, without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. Uh, This project, although it is small in concept, it does require a fair bit of labour each week to make it happen. And for it to in my opinion, to happen well. Uh, with curating, editing, sound design, digital marketing, Patreon love, the works. And um, There are currently five of us who keep it running each season and the Patreon just allows for a little bit of those costs to keep the lights on. So please do consider dropping us the price of a coffee or, you know, if you like me a lot, a glass of large wine, please, because it really does massively help. Each week you'll get access to my notebook and a bit of backstage gossip. And if we do an IRL thing, you will be the first ones to know. Patreon.com forward slash after the tone right i'm intrepidatious to say this because i don't know what that message from tim means but let's all just brace ourselves for the second half funds hi um my name's Debs. i am a long time lurker but first time in the pub as it were um i just wanted to send a message to respond to spooky scouser um from the last episode Uh, where you were talking about the fact that you'd been diagnosed with diabetes and all the triggers that came with your eating disorder. I'm so sorry you've had that diagnosis. That's shit. And I hope you're getting adequate support for both your physical and mental health through this because it's huge, a huge diagnosis. I wanted to offer some solidarity. Three years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and... One of the first things they said to me when starting chemo was, don't put on any weight. I am a fat girl who has been, had disordered eating my entire life. And that was incredibly triggering. I would also like go out with friends or go out in public and people would say, should you be eating that? Doesn't sugar feed cancer? Or, you know, I read that you should only stick coffee up your bum one-legged whilst singing operas because that cures your cancer, you know, all that kind of shit that people come up with because they're trying to be, in inverted commas, helpful. Um, And you're allowed to tell them to fuck off. Just as a caveat, you're allowed to tell them to fucking mind their own business because you are an adult. You are allowed to do whatever you want and accept the consequences of your own actions because they do not have to be you. They do not have to live your life. And so they can fuck right off. It is hard, though, especially when the medical people are telling you you need to lose weight or whatever. I last week had a meeting with my surgeon because I don't have breasts anymore. I am flatter than Norfolk. And I asked about a referral to getting new tits. And the answer was, we'll talk about it when you've lost three stone. No check-in as to whether I had disordered eating in the past, whether that was a a healthy thing to say to me. Just, well, when you've lost three stone, we will talk about letting you speak to a surgeon. So, yeah, it's fucking shit. It's really hard to handle because in one way you think, well, fuck them. It's my fucking life. Fuck off. And on the other way, you're stuck in this medical model that only responds if you play the game. And it's a horrible trap that we're in. And... I hope you find a way to navigate it that keeps you healthy and safe. That being said, there is always the option of telling people to fuck off. Anyway, I hope you're okay. Thanks. Bye.
Deb, welcome to the room. Long-term lurker, first time in the pub. L-L-F-I-T-P. <laughs> really enjoyed so much about what you said. I totally, as you can imagine, and as I think you've probably witnessed, I don't mind telling people to go fuck themselves. Oh, do you know what? I actually get quite quite a lot of joy out of it. Because I think sometimes people don't deserve an explanation. I think sometimes you just need to let people know, you're a dick, I don't like you, leave me alone, get out of my face. So, yes to this behaviour. Um, this call, and reminding me of what the Spooky Scouser said a few weeks ago around fatness, is making me re-engage with a conversation that I, I think maybe I've had on the pod in sort of different ways. It's about this idea that as a fat person, you are open to be constantly in dialogue about whether you're going to die or how you can stay alive. It's a very weird headspace to exist in because what it creates is a fat panic that every time your body has a response like sweating or being warm or being breathless, you just think, right, that's it, I'm dead. That's it, I'm dead now. I'm dead. But there's also this sense of, like, people feeling okay that they can let you know that you're going to die. But also other people, seemingly, everyone's gone to fucking medical school and they've got ways of keeping you alive. Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. Oh, this is how you should say that. Go fuck yourselves is the answer for that one. Flatter than Norfolk. <laughs> now there's a line. God, it's wild, isn't it? I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I mean, it's, there's something about me. If I was in that room, I'd be like, sorry, are fat people not allowed breasts? I mean, how? Because when you reframe it back to them, it's so fucking ludicrous, isn't it? Sorry, you have to lose weight before you get breasts. Of course. tits as a fat person uh, you know it's so dehumanizing isn't it to be like i'm sorry you got, your body is not allowed to be in this way because i don't warrant it to be good enough and i'm sorry deb this sounds quite ugly what's coming out of my mouth it's because i'm so fucking annoyed by it oh god you know what if there's any excuse to go private if you want a tenner i'll give you a fucking tenner if you want to go down that route let us know because i tell you what if you want tits, babe, you can have fucking tits. I mean, if I was in charge, you can have them. Anyway, Deb, it's lovely to hear from you. Please call again soon. All right, no beds. I am a second time caller. First time I called was uh, way back in February this year. Um, I was talking about my 11-year-old uh, nibbling, just coming out as non-binary, which had made 48-year-old me consider my own gender. Um, and I... I trying to figure out that I'm probably not cis but wasn't quite sure where I was with that and I'm calling partly with an update on that and partly in response to the medium-term listener uh, Lurker who called a couple of weeks ago uh, who was talking about coming out late in life so yeah I think I've figured out that the closest sort of non-binary identity that fits with how I feel is demigirl um, which I don't know if as a 48-year-old I can claim anything with the word girl in it, although I do still identify as a riot girl or a riot grandma pretty much these days. Or a riot crone, let's settle with that one. But yeah, um, demigirl is basically someone who was assigned female at birth, um, is my understanding of it, but and, and identifies with that, that some of the time. So identifies as cis some of the time, but not at other times, um, which feels pretty much 
like I th- like I am. Sometimes she and her pronouns and woman, etc., feel okay. Sometimes they really, really don't, and they're really uncomfortable. Um, and I'm moving more increasingly to thinking of myself as they rather than she. But yeah, mixture of those. In terms of the um, the caller who rang up about coming out later in life as queer of various sorts, and and they were non-binary themselves. Yeah, just trying to navigate that myself taking my sort of time to work my way through it the only people I've really told so far are my husband been married to a cis queer man for 17 years now and some friends who were trans and non-binary themselves not yet gone beyond that because I'm still trying to figure out a do I need to tell people is it just part of me that is something that is personal for me or should I be telling people have I got a responsibility to talk about this Probably not, but in some ways I do want people to know, but I'm trying to figure out who I want to know and in what situations. I'd be really interested to ask the the room if anyone else has any experience with that. Are you out in some situations? Are you out in all situations? Are you not out at all? What feels right to you? So that's what I'm navigating at the moment, and I just wanted to ask others about that. I should probably say I've known I was queer sexuality-wise since I was... I don't know, seven and was watching Calamity Jane, really, really wanting to be Doris Day, being Calamity Jane and live in the little cottage with Katie. Oh, hello, lovely person. Oh, I do remember you. You had such care for your nibbling, which was very, very sweet. And listen, second time caller, there's no prizes for second. But as a 48-year-old gender-questioning person who's finding their way through demi, nurse, etc. You are more than welcome to come and sit with us, please. Coming out late in life, I think there's often a stigma attached to people who find themselves at different points in their life. And I just want to say, you know, like, you find yourself when you need to. Like, there are these pressures, I think, because of, like, queer cultural cliches that make us feel like it has to be at a certain time in a certain way and that you have to be out is another thing. Um, So something I wanted to touch on there was when you were sort of talking about um, who do you tell and who who don't you, essentially, that's up to you. I think there are these pressures that we feel like everybody must know in our lives and we must represent at all times. And I I think that doesn't really ring true to me because I think, well... Safety. Sometimes it wouldn't be safe to do that. Sometimes you just don't want to be a representative. Sometimes you don't want to be an educator. Sometimes you just want to get your head down and, you know, you know this interaction isn't going to last long. And there is often this sense that you're being shamed or shameful in those moments. But I think actually that's that's about broader survival, isn't it? It's about being like, not today. So I love the fact that you're finding demi-gender, because there's also demi-sexuality as well, which I find really interesting. And also, in solidarity, as a Riot Girl here, um, I've made a show which is completely scored by Riot Girl tracks. So there's that. I guess I understand where you're at with in terms of pronouns, because, like, for me, I don't mind... Like, it doesn't hurt me to be called he or him. I prefer just using neutrality for everyone, just because... I want to live in that world. Where am I at with my own gender is is always a constant question. Like, you know, I don't feel dysmorphic with my physical body, but do I feel out of sorts with a cultural body? Do I relate to masculinity? 
Does masculinity alienate me from it? Yeah, of course. Of course I'm not part of that club. Of course I'm not part of that gang. So I don't know where that leaves me, but over the last few years, I've sort of made peace with that. Maybe I don't need to make a choice. Maybe I don't need to define. And you know what? There's no shade to anybody who does choose that, who feels like adamant that they want to like represent at all times and that they require certain language for real. I'm here for it. I just want to make that really explicit. I think you all know that, but I think it's important to be really explicit about that, particularly with the climate of what's going on in the UK. But maybe you've heard this conversation and maybe you thought, I want to jump in. I've got some thoughts. I've got some things that I might want to share. So pick up the blower, open up the WhatsApp and send us a voice note to this number. 0788 200 3420 And support us on the Patreon and get backstage access to more knobheads like you. Hi, Scotty. It's uh, Pablo Griff from Vancouver calling. Hello, everyone else. I hope everyone's well. I thought I would call in and talk to you about Sally Jesse Raphael, the 80s talk show host with the big red glasses. When I lived in New York, I went and saw one of her shows, one of her tapings, and it was fantastic. I went there with a friend of mine, uh, Toby and Dean, and we get into uh, this holding tank before the show, and they tell us, you know, thank you for coming, and when you get in there, make sure you clap, make sure you smile on camera, and everything's going to be good. So we get in, and the studio is so small, way smaller than it looks on TV. It's dirty, the chairs are dirty, the floor is dirty. I'm really short, but my knees hit the chair in front of me. It was that small. And then someone came out and said you know, make sure you smile, make sure you're happy. And then she came out and everyone's clapping and she starts talking about the show and about the people that are on the show. And it was, she's reading from a teleprompter. She's reading from cards. In between the takes, her husband would come out and say, oh, be more upbeat, be more alive, be more happy. It was one of the most surreal experiences because as I watched the show for many years, I didn't realize what a budget it was on. I felt like I was in like a dirty... A bar. It was that kind of gross, and it smelled like smoke in there. And um, after the show was taped, she thanked us all, but it was just so bizarre because she was kind of like a robot. And um, yeah, the experience of it uh, was quite interesting. Anyway, I also went to Mori Povich, and I will call in and tell you about that story, which was more bizarre. Okay, tra. Oh, lovely Pablo, you have lived a life, haven't you? Because I think you told us a few series ago that you used to live in the UK. Sally Jesse Raphael. Now, when we first got Sky when I was a teenager, um, found the joys of Sally Jesse Raphael. What I wear. Now, if you don't know who Sally Jesse Raphael is and you live in the UK, imagine a more disgruntled Anne Robinson and you're kind of halfway there. I wear absolutely brilliant. Was a court sort of like, you know, that era of like people being chat show host but also mock therapists like i'm sure sally jesse Raphael isn't a doctor i'm I'm pretty sure of it it was like the sort of like agony aunt telly wasn't it that was very popular well i can't wait to hear about maury povovich because he's a proper weirdo isn't he and they do some quite grim things on that show so yeah i'm looking for well look at me Look at look at me being like, oh, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yes, more gossip, please. Hi, Scotty. 
happy Halloween. <laughs> happy Halloween to yourself, Debbie, Tim, Maya, and Kat. Colin with a question. I'm just um, sat here listening to the podcast, making myself some Halloween decorations out of um, card that I've saved from the recycling bin. Um, making little happy, scrappy ghosts out of, uh, yeah, with acrylic paints and marker pens. The reason I'm doing this is, yeah, I just kind of realised that, like, yeah, time's really flying by, not really noticing changes in, like, the calendar all that much. Um, yeah, so I want to, like, yeah, put a bit more effort into changing up decorations and like celebrating things, making my, maybe my own wee rituals and traditions. And I was you know, just wondering if anyone in the, in the room has their own rituals that they do, little traditions that they've made up for themselves that they do year on year just to celebrate or commemorate or really get in touch with themselves or their history or their community. Um, yeah, I'm just really kind of curious about small things that people do um if that's a <laughs> if that's a good question i don't know anyways uh catch you later bye oh hi i think is this colin not colin i think it might be you didn't announce your name but you know i've got an astute ear um now, Halloween decorations. No, I don't. But do I have rituals? Yeah, I do. And uh, particularly cultural ones because, you know, I haven't been back home for a while now. And there are certain things that I like to do. Like, like I had a really beautiful, great wee aunt, Auntie Anne. Oh, bless her. She was so sweet. She was so kind to me and Mama. Like, so, so kind. Like, really loved and adored us. Even though we were sort of the black sheep of the family. You know, bringing the family down by being a bastard child out of wedlock. The cross in life my nan had to bear, apparently. And my aunt would, uh, every week, bring down a barmbrach and a, a soda bread. And quite often, if I'm feeling like I need to get, like, in touch with that, because Auntie Anne's no longer with us, and sometimes if I just want to get in contact with that, or just, like, feel myself for a while, and not feel myself, but, you know, understand yourself, I'll get bacon, because I tell you what, there's nothing like a good barn brack, honestly. Um, so that's me. But what other rituals do people do? I think it's an excellent question for the room. Hi, Scotty, uh, and everyone. Uh, my name is Hassan. Uh, I'm a long, long time listener and first time caller. I have a poo story. Uh, back in 2018, uh, I was chatting with uh, with, the, with a gentleman, with a couple, uh, and they were like, yeah, come over tonight and uh, we have some fun time. And I'm like, yeah, okay, why not? Let's go. I'm single. Uh, so I head there. Uh, it's uh, 11 p.m. Uh, and we had a cup of coffee, uh, I had tea, and, and then, yeah, we, we started to do the thing. But then before, before we went to the bathroom, when we, was, when we were in the bathroom, uh, they turned all the lights off and uh, uh, put a lot of perfume uh, in the room, a lot, like, like a lot, a, a bottle. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're, we're on the bed, we're kissing and stuff. And when I was like, yeah, you, uh, I would like to sit on you. And I'm like, and do the thing. I'm like, yeah, sure, of course, I love it. Let's go, let's do it. And he jumps on and we are doing the thing. After what I feel like, it's a, it feels like a lot of liquid. 
Uh, I feel like I'm wet. It's quite a lot. Uh, but since there was a lot of perfume, I couldn't, I didn't realize anything. I couldn't smell. After a while, after five minutes, then I, I, then I definitely could smell that it was something. It was shit. It wasn't just a perfume. Uh, uh, so I say that I'm just gonna go rinse it off. It's just a little, little poo doesn't, um, yeah, hurt anyone. So I go to the bathroom and I turn the lights on and I see it's a lot. It's a lot and it's big chunks and it's liquid. It's, it's everything and a lot. Um, so I jump in into the bathtub and I'm trying to rinse everything and puking at the same time. Uh, so it gets, it's, it's so much, it was so much that the bathtub, uh, stuck. The water was filling up the bathtub halfway through. And I'm like, okay, I cannot stand in uh, a bathtub full of shit, brown water. So I stand on top of the bathtub, one foot on each side, and trying to get everything out. And they are stuck in my in the navel. I'm trying to get things out without touching him. And uh, I'm very disgusted. And suddenly I hear the other one say, "You did that again." Yeah, that is my poo story. Love you, and I really, really appreciate this podcast. After the tone, it's it's lovely. Bye. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh, 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 Hassan, welcome to the room. <laughs> this is an excellent, excellent story, and I don't know what Tim was on about about it being the most disgusting call we've ever had because I think it's the most fantastic story we have ever had if there was a prize you Hassan would definitely win this long time listener first time caller welcome to the gang (laughs) you've done it again (laughs) oh wow do you know what I really loved about this story Hassan is that like for all of its graphic detail for all of like just being able to envisage like that moment of you being like okay this is a lot of shit like you told it in such a polite way (laughs) we learned so much about you and how you are evidently a very nice person because you told that story with such finesse that I thought Hassan is a classy customer (laughs) oh my god you definitely win all the points for this week Well, I think we're all changed after that. (laughs) Do you know what I love about this place? No holes barred in more ways than one. We have gone around the houses, haven't we? We have spoken about Russia. We have been over to Vancouver to talk about Sally Jesse Raphael. We have spoken about gender, mental health crises, and we have welcomed to the room the lovely Hassan. Um, Thank you so much for everyone for calling in this week. I have had such a hoot. And remember, we have got a talent show coming up. If you've got a talent, however loose... (laughs) 
Oh god, this is too much. Or oh, however, however brilliant. You know, you might be good. Make sure you give us a call because for our the end of season talent show, we would love to include you. But also, if you've picked up any other threads that you're like, I want to jump in on that. I want to tell you about rituals. I want to tell you about things that I do to feel connected to my culture. I want to talk to you about mental health. I want to talk to you about fatness. Any of those things that we've been speaking about this week or other, all you've got to do is pick up the blower, open up WhatsApp and send us a voice note to this number. 0788-200-3420. And please do consider to join in on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash after the tone. It would be greatly received. Right, on that note, I think I need a little lie down. <laughs> Have a gorge week. See you next time. After the Tone is hosted by me, Scotty, produced by Debbie Kilbride, vice producer Tim Bano, assistant producer Maya Miller-Lewis, digital producer Capril. ATT is a Debbie's production production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water... It starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.